Adding wholesale as a channel to your store is a great way to increase revenue. But how do you offer customer-specific pricing in Shopify? Well, naturally, there's a bold app for that. It's called Customer Pricing. And it's great for wholesale, of course, but it's also cool to add things like a VIP program where you reward your best customers. So it's easy to use. To put a customer in a price group, you just tag their customer account. Or, if you want to get fancy, you can auto-tag customers into groups based off how much they've spent, how often they order, where they're from, or what products they purchased. So it's really powerful. For example, if they've spent $500 or more, you could tag them as silver, and they get 5% off. $1,000 or more, they get tagged gold, they get 10% off. You could even do it by how many times they've ordered and even what country they're from. With the tagging by product purchase feature, you could actually sell a membership product and then give them a member discount. So if you're a Costco member, this should sound familiar, because it's exactly what they do. To try it out free for two months, head to ethercycle.com bold. That's ethercycle.com bold. Additional support for the unofficial Shopify podcast comes from SEO Manager. You know the benefit of SEO. The higher you rank in search engines, the more visitors your store will have. And more visitors means more sales, which means more money in your pocket. But how do you do that? That's where SEO Manager comes in. It helps Shopify store owners get found in search engines, and it's trusted by thousands of Shopify stores. It leads the market in both innovation and usability. And it's no wonder. SEO Manager adds an entire suite of tools to help attract new customers by fully optimizing your store. So here's a few of my favorites. It scans your site for SEO issues, offers keyword suggestions, adds structured data support, analyzes missing pages and redirects, and it even integrates with Kit, Shopify's personal marketing assistant. And that's not all. It does a whole bunch of more stuff. All of these things will help you to be easily found in Google and other search engines. And best of all, it's easy to get started. You can launch SEO Manager on your store in minutes, and their friendly support team is always on standby if you need help. Plus, as a special offer to our listeners, you can get SEO Manager right now for 10% off forever. Sign up at seomanager.com unofficial. That's seomanager.com unofficial. Hello, and welcome back to the unofficial Shopify podcast. You know, the, I will reveal to you the dark secret of recording. I they, they aren't recorded and then published in order. I just got back from Shopify Unite. I am super excited about it. I am jazzed, and I'm thrilled today. I get to share with you a journey from one of our, our favorite clients to work with, both because he has a phenomenal sense of just branding and story, and he's a great guy to work with, and has... This incredible journey, even just reading his bio before the show, like there's stuff I didn't know. This guy has been all over the place and is an incredible serial entrepreneur. But with that, he started in brick and mortar and had successful brick and mortar stores and then moved his business online and did it in an atypical way that has, has been working out, has been successful. But certainly there are, there are challenges. There's a learning curve. And he's even got future incredible ideas. So that's what we're going to be talking about today is, hey, what what are the lessons learned and some inspiration here on going from I've got a brick and mortar store to let's start dabbling online and growing those businesses. And we'll save this for the end, but he had, and it's weird because this isn't even germane to his business. He's been on uh, several, not several, uh, uh, he's been on primetime network television and you on some some big shows you may have seen this gentleman so we'll 
we'll get into that. But joining me today is Dan Cox of Metcon.com. It's his, his big store, Metcon. He's got uh, Wealthy, I'm Wealthy.com, and several others. We'll get into it. Grew up in Northern California, which I love. I love Northern California. Got family out in San Jose, in the East Bay area. And then listen to this. This guy, after my own heart in terms of uh, excessive education, attended California State University, Chico, where he studied abroad in Copenhagen, Denmark, and Guadalajara, double majored with a BS in business and marketing, a BA in economics, and a minor in international business. I'm impressed. Then fell back on his love for athletics and nutrition, opened up five nutrition stores in Vegas and SoCal, and then started developing his own all-natural supplement line, including Metcon, which we'll include in the show notes, focused on endurance athletics, detox tea caps, and most recently, wealthy. And truthfully, uh, I'm a little biased here. We worked on the theme setups for Metcon and Wealthy, and I'm quite proud of them. Those will be in the show notes. And Wealthy's his latest line, and even being the good dude he is, partnered up with Feeding America to donate a meal to someone in need for every product sold through local food banks. His drive for these lines came from his interest in providing clean, effective, all-natural products that fill voids in the market and produces their products from a super legit FDA-registered GMP-certified facility in SoCal. These things matter. If you quick, interesting tweak we did on that site, we use those as badges. You should check that out. Check out our product page. And uh, all of his lines, all natural, free of banned substance, gluten, dairy, soy free, GMP certified. And the reason is he saw a pain. He was running nutrition stores and was like, man, I, they're just products that aren't meeting my needs. I bet I can fix that. And that's the comment. We hear that so often from entrepreneurs, entrepreneurs, which is cool. I love those, those kinds of stories. Dan, thank you for joining us. <laughs> thank you for the kind introduction. I think, I think we're done. I think you cut it off. <laughs> Show's over. See ya. <laughs> Shut it down. <laughs> Thank you so much for having me. I really appreciate it. Okay. Man, you have been all over the place here. Uh, so you did, you like me, you just like nonstop, too much education, finished that. And then what happened? What you, um, you got out of school? What'd you do? Yeah, actually. So, so in college, I was working quite a bit. I was uh, working for like local newspapers, selling advertising, the school paper, um, kind of pushing the limits as far as, uh, you know, what was, what was, you know, acceptable in, uh, in the university, <laughs> university atmosphere. So, you're you know, I was the rule a, book, uh, but bending it. Yeah. I always had a love for like, it, like if you're going to advertise in a paper, let's do something that shocks and awes. Um, so I, I did that and then got into the beverage business actually in college. Uh, one of my buddies, dads was one of the founders of Sobe. Um, if you, oh, if you cool. remember that the lizards. Um, so I started working with them in kind of, uh, the healthy beverage space, um, on a brand called fuse, which eventually sold to Coke. Um, and it was a, an unbelievable learning experience. Um, you know, I got, because I was kind of connected to such a high level in the company, um, got a, a wealth of experience in developing brands, uh, developing, you know, the product line, the distribution. Um, so that was invaluable experience, um, in college and I actually get recruited out, um, into the wine business after that, I think because of, uh, my time with Fuse. Um, and I thought, you know, well, this will be a, a, you know, fun little way to get some experience and learn some, some, you know, different aspects of, uh, of the wine business. Um, and it was with the Gallo family, which is known for kind of the best sales training, uh, in the industry, um, in consumer products in general. And I uh, ended up, uh, my, my, what I thought was going to be a one to two year, uh, turned into a seven year stint with them, uh, which, which I absolutely love still, um, you know, very, very close with, uh, uh, people in the organization and the family, but 
um, it was uh, it was kind of time to move on. I, I was getting to the point of you know really not really tired of the alcohol business, but wanting a challenge and wanting to get back into health and nutrition, which was more of my you know more of my speed and and what I was currently into. Um, and so that's when I started uh, uh, opening up uh, nutrition stores um, and. The whole concept, um, and we started with uh, one of my good buddies from college in Texas. He started this concept that was, you know, let's provide the best quality supplements we can uh, from only GMP certified manufacturers, but let's provide a value to the customer of really finding out what their needs are. So most nutrition store models are you come in and, you know, you're looking for protein, you walk to the protein, grab it, or, um, you know, you don't know what you're looking for but the store does big buys on different brands. And so they push a brand on you or have a house, you know, label. And, uh, and our goal was really just to find out what the consumer wanted, what their goals were. Um, and then we put a plan together to help them get them there. So you that's how it, you make it sound obvious, like, Oh, just ask the customer what they want and then sell them yep. that. But that so many people skip that step. It's unreal. And that when yeah. I, like I can immediately identify businesses that are much more likely to be successful or run by experienced entrepreneurs when the story starts with like, yeah, we're going to start this business because we just finished three months of intensive research. Yep. And that like those are the success, successful ones. Um, yeah. Help me out with this timeline here. So you graduate college. How long until you found yourself um, diving into starting your own store? Uh, I was, let's see, God, I was 29. Okay. Um, so yeah, yeah. I had, uh, um, after I left the, the wine business, I did a, uh, worked on a startup, which I still work with today. Um, that had a patent on packaging multiple alcohol products together. <laughs> and then in that time period, yeah, started developing, uh, uh, the stores, um, kind of on the side when I started. Um, and then, it's and then interesting it kind of, to hear a, yep. a brick and mortar store that sounds like it was a side hustle. Mm -hmm. Definitely. It was, uh, you know, I had a full time uh, with this, uh, this startup company. And, uh, um, and I literally just thought to myself, I, I think it was something, maybe it was like Shark Tank, but I'm like, like these guys own multiple companies. Like, why can't I have a job and start a business too? Like these guys are managing like huge portfolios. And so that was kind of my mentality of like, I, I can figure this out. Like I've got time to do it. <laughs> so, uh, so, so yeah, so literally I, you know, I, I knew nothing about brick and mortar. Um, my buddy had that kind of steered me in the direction of what to look for as far as spaces go. Uh, but from there, I mean, I was, I was clueless. I just, I learned everything by fire and, uh, um, you know, found a, found a, it was, and this was, uh, when was this? So this is five years ago. Um, so the economy in Vegas was still struggling a little bit, um, and a lot of, you know, still some vacancies. And so I came up on a spot, um, that was perfect and, uh, um, and literally, just started finding contractors and all these things to, to build out this brick and mortar space uh, and had literally, I mean, I'll be honest with you, I, I really was uneducated in the space, similar to how I am when I started diving into e-commerce and just started doing it. Um, and that that really kind of paid off because I, I got into the nitty gritty, learned, you know, all the aspects of it. Um, and then was obviously able to hire, you know, uh, some good managers to uh, to grow the business and then allowed me to expand and open up more stores. I, I like I love a couple things about this story. Is it starts with you just asking yourself, why not me? You know, seeing yeah. Shark Tank, seeing other people running multiple business, and a lot of like success really is just mindset shift where something clicks and you go, well, oh, I could do that. Like, there's yeah. so many things that people just limit themselves on. So yeah, to 100%. hear you say, man, why not me? And then <laughs> you don't even you don't know what you don't know at that point, and it is a it's a trial by fire. But you get through it and you 
you know, instead of getting overwhelmed, you just knock it out one step at a time and yep. learn from it. Um, so you opened one store and then it sounds like multiple stores. Yeah. Yeah. So I opened up one store and then, you know, started thinking like, wow, this is, this is something, something good here. So, um, I started looking at other, you know, other areas in Vegas and started, I was driving back and forth to California quite a bit, looking at some, uh, um, you know, some different markets, um, along that route. And, uh, and then kind of started hitting some, you know, some real obstacles. The economy was growing, it was getting better, it was getting harder to find spaces. More tenants were coming in as soon as something came available. Um, so I had probably like three leases that fell through in process, uh, between California and, in, uh, in Nevada. And then finally stumbled upon a, a store. Um, I was just driving by and saw a uh, Metro PCS sign going up next to a Cricket Wireless. And I thought to myself, there's no way those, the landlord allowed those two to, to be together. So popped in there, um, found out one was leaving and, uh, got my store in California and then started expanding more stores, uh, throughout Las Vegas over the last, uh, five years. Now, this was in the last five years and you didn't start with an online store. I did not start with an online store. And, and the reason was, well, one, you know, the brick and mortar business was good. And, uh, and two, we actually had, there was kind of a shift going on in the supplement space um, at that time of manufacturers that were, you know, they had gone too far online and too far exposed to where their, you know, people were just bastardizing their pricing. And so you had a lot of brick and mortar stores that were mo- removing products from their stores because they're like, we're not going to, you know, we're not going to drop our pants just to, uh, uh, to compete with these online stores. So there was kind of a shift with these manufacturers in providing brands that were exclusive to brick and mortar. And so that's a lot of the companies I worked with. I would negotiate exclusive deals in the markets I was in. Um, and my agreement to them was that I wouldn't put them online and they didn't have to worry about, you know, the overexposure and hurting their other brick and mortar business. Um, and so that's really why I kind of kept to, you know, the brick and mortar and didn't really expand online start. Hmm. And a lot of people will say, uh, we hear about like the death of retail and I've really, mm-hmm. I've started to realize it isn't the death of retail. It isn't true. It's really, it, it is the reshaping of retail. I think, you know, what we're, we're seeing is there yeah. was simply too much real estate that is there is being corrected. Um, cause in the late nineties with this huge real estate boom with commercial yep. real estate that that's being corrected. Um, and we also had a, a bunch of predatory, um, venture capital companies like Bain Capital, who really like straight up goodfella style banged out a lot of a lot of big businesses like Toys R Us. Yep. Um, and then it's it's too hard for them to survive that. Yeah. Really so like I would imagine you would disagree about the death of retail. Uh yeah, I mean I there's still there's still a place for retail. People still love shopping, right? They they people want to go out and do something. The convenience of online is is where you know, where the transition is happening. So for those retail stores who aren't providing enough service to overwhelm the convenience of just being in your underwear and picking the products you want, then that's, that's kind of the gap that, that is being, you know, that's shrinking down quite a bit. Um, so that my, my take on it is brick and mortar still has, has time. Um, it's actually funny to me. I had this thing I go over, which is I think for the first time in history, there's a sense of it used to always be. I remember when I was growing up, support small, you know, local retailers, and um, you know, all these big boxes are coming in, pushing these guys out. For the first time in history, I think there's literally people saying like, "We got to go support big box." Like, you know, these guys are struggling. Like, make sure to go in the stores. And it's like it's such a, I, yeah. a weird paradox. You know, I have what's never, happening. never once thought, 
You know, actually, that's what I was going to say. I've never thought to myself, man, we got to go support our local Best Buy. Yeah. But I have several times, like, I have yeah. walked into big box stores and been kind of like, oh, poor little fella. Yeah. <laughs> when things so, get, and, get a little it, Yeah, and I, and I think what's happening is, you know, there's, there's going to be a shift in brick and mortar because you have, I mean, you have these commercial realtors charging the highest rates in history for rent. Yet you have brick and mortar stores showing some of the lowest per unit sales, um, and it's it's going to hit a you know it's going to hit a point where those those axes go so far apart um, that uh, uh, that I think there's going to be some big changes. Um, a lot of these big box stores that you know it really expanded, even though they're showing per store sales decline, they had to show increased revenue. So the the only way to do that is to keep expanding and opening up more stores. Um, but now they've done it in such a rate that they've opened up so many stores at such a high rental rate. So their overhead is higher than it's ever been, but their per store sales are the lowest they've ever been. And so I think there's going to be a rude awakening for a lot of these big boxes coming soon. And, and the, are the ones that have been providing service, um, and giving customers a reason to come in. You know, I mean, that's the bottom line. Uh, you see it with like, I think Citibank now is opening up, um, you know, coffee shops inside the, their banks just to get people into the bank. Um, and so that that's the kind of thing that I think is going to start changing over the next couple of years. You're, you're absolutely right. And one of the, it's that service aspect. If you look at the things that are surviving and staying, you'll see like just on a regular main street, what you're going to see now are more restaurants and things like salons, uh, spas, yep. stuff that are providing a very direct service or look at like big, big retail places that managed to make it. Kohl's did something incredibly clever. Kohl's is the return location for Amazon packages. That's a yeah. physical local service. And when you and having done this now, you go in, they hand you a coupon for Kohl's, and then all right, you're yeah. already there. I'll go get my kids some pants. You know that kind of yep. thing. Um, yeah, exactly. Or like uh, Apple and their focus on support and education and demos for products. They don't care if you yep. buy the product in the store. They just want you to go showroom it, and then yep. maybe you buy it online or you buy it there. Correct. Um, so there's a, an important lesson, but this is the unofficial Shopify podcast. We got to talk about <laughs> no more brick and mortar. <laughs> we got to talk about e-commerce. Can I yep. do go all day about yep. um, e or about brick and mortar? But yep. all right, in e-commerce, what happened? So you went from no e-commerce store. Now you have yeah. multiple e-commerce stores. What, what's going on? So so it was a couple things w within the you know within the nutrition space. I was seeing voids in the market. So even though I was working with some of the top manufacturers, there were still products that you know, in categories I was finding voids in that weren't available. And so uh, I started reaching out to these manufacturers um, and and really trying to dig into why they weren't doing things a certain way. Uh, for example, you know, artificial sweeteners, artificial colors, artificial flavors. You know, the, the industry has been so pushed with taste um, and, and loud and, you know, you need your pre-workout to be, you know, bright, you know, neon red. Um, and, and so there's all these kind of, you know, historical cues in the supplement business that that weren't being broken um and so i wanted to start developing products one that i wanted to take um and then two that you know i thought where the industry was going um and it actually started ironically with detox keycaps which is a brand you know i know i've i've kind of since um you know pushed away um, i'm rolling it into the wealthy line here um but it was it, it started as people coming into my stores and they were asking for detox teas and it was the whole, I don't know if you remember this, this is probably three years ago now, there was this huge crave of like, you know, all these internet companies, you know, creating these detox teas and they're right. loose leaf teas, um, but they were making all kinds of claims 
Um, and literally, it was the same tea you can go into and buy Smooth Move at Trader Joe's for you know three ninety nine, and they're selling online for forty fifty bucks. Um, and so, you know, I had these customers coming in asking for this product, and I'm thinking to myself, like, okay, there's something wrong here that you know it, it's scary and and kind of uh, enticing at the same time. Is these people literally are believing everything they're seeing online. And now they're coming into the store to get verification and validation of it. So I thought to myself, well, what if I created a detox tea focused capsule line that was very effective? So a fat burning detox kit. Um, so I started working with the manufacturer on that product. And that was actually my first. Um, and kind of in the same time, I was really looking for a pre-workout that, that I wanted to take. And so I started working with another manufacturer on developing a pre-workout that was, you know, had nothing artificial in it. Um, and at the time, I think I was the first one uh, when I developed Metcon um, because there was no flavor profiles for a naturally sweetened pre-workout. And it actually took us about three months to get the formula down, but about nine months just to get the flavoring down because it didn't exist. And we had to basically create these flavor profiles that were using natural flavors and natural sweeteners from scratch. Hmm. So this, it, what's interesting is it, it, that is such a common theme for uh, these successful online stores. It's we saw a need in the market, and it also overlapped with a personal need. And you said, you asked, yourself, man, why not me? And then went um, and started pursuing it to it really like, you, you know, initially being your own best first customer and then making it available more widely. Exactly. So, so, and that was the that was the cool part about it. I had at that point, I think I had three brick and mortar stores, or maybe four. Um, and I knew that I had an avenue to move the product through, and I knew I had a good kind of test area to get direct, cu you know, customer feedback on it, um, not just reviews online. So for me, I had kind of an advantage from that standpoint that I was able to test. Um, the the kind of I guess the negative side to that is that I went really deep into it and making sure that these products were performing the way, you know, that, that the, you know, the manufacturers had designed them to perform. Um, and, uh, and the feedback was positive before I started investing more and then getting them online. So that's how that kind of transition happened. I thought, well, it's time, you know, to, I've got these lines now that I don't have brick and mortar exclusives with. Um, I can control the online presence. So let's now open up some stores. Um, and, and really it started as just to have a reference point for consumers who are coming into my stores, you know, buying the product. Obviously they wanted to see some more information on it. So, uh, developing an online store just to give them that information. And then it started rolling into obviously generating some good sales. So how does, um, having done both of these now, mm -hmm. how would you say the, the experience, um, of being a merchant compares with, you know, brick and mortar versus selling online? What are the, the key differences it's here? I mean, the, oh, it's tough. I, I feel like, you know, the brick and mortar has a, you know, obviously a, a higher overhead that's required to, to start. Um, the barriers to entry online are relatively low. That being said, I did have the luxury of having an avenue to pump, you know, products, say, if it, if it didn't work online through my store. So, um, you know, I didn't have, have that inherent, uh, as much of inherent risk. But really, I mean, it's, it's, it's very similar. I mean, I, I look at, you know, finding real estate and looking for that right location, the same way I look at, you know, buying the right URL, right? And, ha and that's, that's the new location you're paying for. Um, the, the, you know, the, the product mix and how you display the products on the shelves uh, versus how, you know, they're organized on your online site. I mean, there's a ton of similarities. 
Um, I guess for me, the, the biggest challenge was more on the marketing side of things. You know, with brick and mortar, you can rely on a lot of word of mouth. Um, you know, you can drive, you know, Facebook ads traffic into your store. Um, you know, you can have, you have employees asking the customers where they're coming from, uh, with the online space, you know, that was kind of a learning curve for me of, well, you know, I'm, I'm now not just focused on a, you know, five mile square radius. I'm focused on the whole U S how do I make this, you know, how do I market effectively, um, to get these products into the people that, you know, that need or want them. Um, so that, that was probably my biggest challenge. And I think the biggest frustration when I first started was, you know, I had history in kind of the healthy beverage business. I had history in the supplement business and I'm going into a place, a new, you know, kind of platform where there's a lot of people that really, not that they don't have business in the supplement business, but if it, if it wasn't supplements, it'd be t-shirts. If it wasn't t-shirts, it'd be slime. And, and they were really good online marketers. And that was my challenge of why would someone want to work with me when, you know, there's the ease of doing it on their own and obviously the higher profit margins are doing it on their own. So trying to figure out, you know, the right players to connect with, um, you know, the right avenues to market in, that was probably my biggest challenge uh, in the online space. I never thought about that. You're right. In your space, like that vertical of supplements, there are a lot of really incredibly successful and uh, gray area marketers out there. Yep. And your fear was, hey, if I approach them, I'm essentially – and like this is a common fear to Amazon sellers too, saying like, hey, if I approach them, I'm essentially just saying, well, here's a great idea you should go do. Yep, exactly. And, and not only that, but you know, you approach them and it's like, well – you know, why I've got my own or if, if I want to get in that category, I can just go to my manufacturer and create a white label product. Right. So, so I, I, then that's when I really, you know, really hit a hard line of, I'm never going to do, you know, a white label product. Like everything I do is going to be custom formulized. It's going to be the way that I want it. And that, you know, the pharmacist and, and compounding pharmacists I work with to develop these, um, you know, science backed that had basically, you know, no artificial flavors, colors, sweeteners. So there was a line I was drawing that was kind of separating me from a lot of the just e-commerce supplement businesses that were out there. And now yeah, obviously, the, uh, okay. you you were focused early on on let's develop a competitive advantage, let's build a moat around the product by not white labeling things, which is in, it's hard. It, that could be hard enough to do, but it is not enough of a barrier to entry. Versus you said this will be 100% unique, genuinely manufactured to our spec. Yep, exactly. And, and, and that was my, it was like, if I'm going to play in this, if I'm going to play in this game, I got to use my strengths. And my strengths were five years of history with manufacturers that I did a lot of business with that trusted me, you know, so leveraging, you know, the, uh, um, my other business with them. Um, and, and also knowing, you know, having thousands of customer feedbacks on products and categories um, and, and leveraging these voids that weren't necessarily super visible online. It is interesting the sheer number of parallels and skills and tool sets as a, a business owner or entrepreneur that you learned in retail that then applied directly to online. Even like they're like well, um, you know the the number of things you said are challenging about online there's a lot like word of mouth. Well, we've got referral programs and stuff to try and encourage that or yep. you know. Um, like tar uh, we a uh, a customer service rep in the store can help you know talk to a customer uh, a customer oh, we've got live chat for that there's a lot of stuff where it's like you would a uh, surprising number of of parallels uh, yeah i mean it's it's the, it's 
it's the same, you know, it's the same thing for the customer, right? They're either going into a store or they're going online. Their whole point is to make a purchase to fulfill a need. So, um, yeah, I mean, there's, there's, there's a ton of similarities that cross over. It's almost just through a different lens um and, and adapting that um and that was again that was a learning curve that i had to learn in brick and mortar you know starting without any experience to then you know uh, um you know starting my online stores again without any experience and, and kind of learning that um you know that aspect of the different and unique things that that translated but again under a different kind of uh lens and and, and how to make it work let me ask you this what scared you about launching an online store you had a successful retail business you're going to yep. start getting it online. What's the thing that kept you up at night? Nothing. I'll be honest. Nothing really scared me. I, I did start selling to more brick and mortar stores. So, you know, I did have the fear of, you know, being one of those brands that now there's a lot of online exposure. You know, why am I going to carry this in my stores when, you know, you know you're just making it available online? Um, and so, you know, that, that was probably really my only big fear because, again, I did have did an avenue. Did you face that uh, objection? Uh, I, I, I got ahead of it. Um, and so how I got ahead of it was pricing my wholesale because I know the wholesale business because my stores, you know, working the pricing to make sure that they never had um, a price that was above what was being advertised online. Um, and that was my kind of guarantee to the wholesalers is that, you know, and again, it's from a brand brand integrity standpoint. I'm not out here to, to just move cases to move cases. Like I want people to love this brand. So, you know, from my standpoint, I'm not going to drop my pants on the price just to move some units to hit a number at the end of the month. I want to keep my brand integrity. Um, and, and by doing that, it also affords me, you know, kind of some leverage with my wholesale accounts that they're never going to have to be worried about seeing, you know, the brand go below uh, the price that they have it offered for their in, in their store. You have a, a strong focus on like pers a personal code of, of ethics and morality in your business that I think is admirable. Do you think that that helps or hinders your success? Uh, probably both, to be honest. Um, I definitely know I could have gone after some you know quick cash, and I think that's again it's another you know it's another void I see in the e-commerce space. Is you have a lot of these you know supplement companies white labeling, and they're going for a cash flow business. They have no zero interest in building a brand. Um, and they're literally seeing, you know, how many affiliates they can get, you know, how much product they can move. Uh, but the second they turn that spigot off of, you know, their marketing apparatus, you know, they're, they're zero sales. Um, and, and they're really just concentrating on this cash flow business where I've focused on, like, I'm trying to build a brand um, and, and really leverage that brand for other products um, and really have influence in different categories. Um, so with that, I, you know, I've had to be a little bit more patient. Um, I haven't, you know, gone after the low hanging fruit, um, and, and I've built a little bit slower. So I think in the, in the short term, it's definitely hurt me a little bit. I think in the long term, um, you know, I'm hoping I'll be right. I would, I would absolutely agree with that. And I think, you know, no one should do anything they're uncomfortable with, but certainly I would wish everyone, you know, that the, the bar was not as low as it is that everyone started at, we should act professionally and ethically. Yep. That, that would be a, yeah. a fantastic universe to live in. <laughs> um, so one of the things I, I wonder, because there's no wrong answer here. People have different approaches to this. You have multiple brands, and they are siloed into different stores, um, to, you know, Metcon.com and uh, and well and I'mWealthy.com. And, so, and then that's separate from the retail stores. You've got a, a house of brands here, and they don't reference each other. What is what's your your logic with that versus saying someone who said you know it's 
um, you know, dancesupplements.com and then choose your category and then you have yep. brands within that. So like a house of brands versus these siloed um, brand experiences. It, well, that was kind of a decision I made to create these brands. Um, you know, I didn't want to have uh, the, the brands are very, they, they hit separate target markets. Um, there are some crossovers on each of them, um, but they're all really targeted. Their, their core consumer is, is very different. Um, although I have multiple, you know, I have a ton of customers that buy both for different aspects. Um, my kind of idea behind that was really just to create more brand presence and more brand identity. And I felt with, with these brands being my own, if I was to create a store that incorporated all of them and maybe even other products, you know, then I would have to spend all that time and energy branding a store as opposed to, you know, really creating brands. And honestly, I think it was more of a selfish thing. Like I enjoy developing brands. Like I enjoy the aspect of creating something from nothing. Um, and, and that's what kind of pushed me to really open up these individual stores and brand um, the product separately, where I saw a lot of companies, whether it was an online store or a brand, trying to cater to everyone. And they're trying to be something to everyone um, instead of really being laser focused on a market um, and, and making sure that, you know, the customers that you want in that in that category know about your brand. Um, so that was kind of my reasoning behind uh, behind, you know, dividing them all apart and not including them on one store. I love. Uh, I have always loved, and people have heard me say the phrase, the phrase "laser focus" many yep. times on the show because having that laser focus really makes your marketing easier. You say, like, if you know very clearly who this is for, then it's easier to reach those people and get the right message to them. And when they get to the site, they they know immediately. Like you separate the wheat from the chaff. Where when the right person hits it, they know without a doubt this was made for me. I need to check yep. this out. For sure. The only, and, 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 go ahead. Oh, go ahead. Sorry. No, you, please. Oh, so, I mean, the, the, the flip side of that is my store, right, my online store with all the brands, if I had people that wanted, customers that wanted, you know, to, to gather all of them, you know, they can go to Amazon, right? And so that became, you know, the, the way that they can, they can buy all the products they want, you know, together on there, but I can market, you know, these brands and really get, you know, build up kind of a, a customer base. Um, that really is loyal to the brand by having them separate. And do you, you sell the products on Amazon Marketplace? Now? I do. Yep. Okay. Yep. And that I actually I didn't even know that. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. That's a. That's, <laughs> and, and and to be honest, it's not something I've I've focused on. It, it's simply a matter of you know my goal is to build my online stores. Um, but the fact of the matter is people use Amazon in a number of different ways. One of them is price comparison, um, you know, and people go on Amazon to compare. So if I'm marketing to people and they're getting, you know, we're driving traffic to the site and they're checking it out, there's a good chance they're going to go look on Amazon to see if they want to place that on, on their other orders. Um, and if the price is better on, you know, the online site, they're going to continue to be a customer with you. Um, that's another thing I've done is, you know, made sure that the pricing, you know, I offer discounts and, you know, we have influencers doing different things, um, you know, on the brand sites that don't apply um, to Amazon. So, again, it, it offers, you know, more of a value to the customers that become brand loyal and really shop with us on our direct store sites. I, I love the approach. I think it's great. The only negative to it. Um, is when you've got you're running multiple stores. Well, you're running multiple stores. There is more, um, more logistics, more jobs to be done there. Has mm -hmm. that been an issue? Do you have any thoughts around that? Um, no, I, I really, you know, um, it for me, it's been fine to manage. Um, and then, you know, I have an inventory management system that pulls everything together. 
Um, so I have kind of a home base for uh, for the three stores um, as well as Amazon. So that that helped out a lot. Um, but what inventory I mean, management system do you use? Uh, Stitch. Oh, Stitch. All right, we will. Yep. Yeah, they're probably the gold standard for that, and I will include yeah. that in the show notes. Yeah, for sure. And they, I mean, I I found them through. I've got a good friend um, in town. He owns actually the largest uh, e-commerce um, uh, vape store uh, online, um, and actually a Shopify uh, customer as well. Uh, I think he's one of, yeah, he's one of the top uh, e-liquids. E-liquids. Okay. Yep. Cool. And uh, he is the one who referred me to Stitch, and they have they have somewhere in the neighborhood of like two hundred thousand SKUs. So I'm like, okay, with with my with my twenty, I think I'll be okay. Um, so uh, so yeah, it, it's worked out, you know, worked out really well um, to kind of have that that uh, that hub for inventory management and to have everything roll up into one place. Cool. All right, last question. I gotta know. There's a couple TV shows you've been on. Which uh, remind <laughs> me, which ones those are? So uh, I may have made a couple appearances on uh, ABC's The Bachelorette and uh, more recently Bachelor in Paradise. And how long ago was that? So The Bachelorette was actually right before I opened my first store. Um, and I, I had the idea of it. But uh, but yeah, it was over five years ago now, maybe six years ago. Um, and uh, crazy experience. Uh, my buddy's wife submitted me uh, without me knowing. So I got a call <laughs> from uh, the uh, casting agency one day saying, hey, we're the casters. You know, we cast for Bachelorette and, uh, um, and The Bachelor. And uh, we got your information. And, um, and I thought it was a joke. And then, you know, they started diving into it and they're like, well, can you send us a video? I'm like, absolutely not. And they're like, well, <laughs> will you come out to LA? And, I'm, and this is before, you know, Instagram. And so before it was cool to actually film yourself. Um, so I went out to LA, met them and, uh, um, and they're like, we love you. We'd love to have you on, you know, um, next step in the process. We lock you in a hotel room for 48 hours and, you know, do all these tests and, uh, um, and then we'll let you know if we want you still. And so after all that, I'm like, I better get this damn thing. So I got, I got invited to be on The Bachelorette. Um, fun experience. I thought it was kind of one and done. And, uh, um, you know, was only on the show for, for a few weeks. Um, and then, you know, this was, God, it's three years ago now. Um, I got a call from another producer saying, hey, you know, we'd love to have you on Bachelor in Paradise if you're interested. And I just gotten out of a relationship. And I was like, well, you know, why not? Like, let's let's do it again so and that was a lot more fun experience we were on a resort um you know it wasn't just myself with 26 guys and one girl it was like seven guys seven girls rotated um it was a really really fun experience so you're doing that and you've got all these businesses how did you manage it uh it was that that was a little hairy um so when uh when i did the bachelorette um, you know, it was before I opened the stores, but I was looking into them. So I was still working for uh, a startup company um, in the alcohol business. And then when I did Bachelor in Paradise, I mean, I was cut off for um, over a month. Um, I had my brick and mortar stores, I had my online business. And I just, you know, I, I had built up, you know, a good enough, you know, rapport with my managers and um, had really good employees running the businesses that I just put my faith in it. And it was one of those things I, you know, I kind of looked at it as there's a lot of things that, can happen in a month, but there's also not a lot that can happen in a month. Um, and so it was an opportunity that I decided to take. And, you know, we're, when you're on the show, you're cut off from everything. So you have no access to TV, internet, uh, books, anything, because they want you, you know, interacting the whole time. And uh, um, so I was able to negotiate to, to literally just check my emails um, on a producer's phone once a week. <laughs> and it was literally just to make sure that, you know, none of the stores are burned down, nothing's going on. Um, and that was it. So, 
you know, it was a little nerve wracking, but I, I just had to get in the headspace of it's a month. I trust my guys, um, you know, to, to do what they need to do. And, and they did. And it worked out. And it was a, a product of me, you know, obviously building rapport and trust with with employees over the course of a period of time to be able to go, you know, literally MIA for over a month. Um, but yeah, it worked out. It wasn't a, um, when I got back, nothing had burned. Everything was still functioning. And, uh, and it was it was business as usual. That is part of like the one of the end games of the entrepreneurial dream is can you step away from your business for a month and have it not completely implode? Mm-hmm. And that really is a, a testament yeah. to your your managerial experience and ability to delegate there. Um, yeah. Well, man, what did you hope to get out of it? Like that? Um, I'll be honest with you. So I, I mean, I travel a ton. My, my whole first reason for actually being on the Bachelorette is I was like, well, it's an experience, and and hopefully I get to travel because my literally my passion. Like I don't buy fancy things. I don't have a lot of toys. Um, I literally spend my money on experiences and traveling. And so, you know, I, I pick a country, you know, three times a year to go to that I've never been um, and, and literally just book a round trip ticket, don't plan anything. So I love the experience. I love the unknown. Um, and so when I first went on, it was literally like a selfish thing of like, I just want to go on and travel. And if I meet someone, great. You know, um, when I went back on Bachelor in Paradise, it was kind of the same thing. It was like, you know, this is going to be a crazy experience. And in my, you know, I always, I relate it back to, uh, I relate it back to staying in hostels and I'm 35 years old and I still travel and love staying in hostels for, for a couple reasons. And, and especially in like third world countries is you're either going to have an amazing experience. You're going to meet great people around you. Um, you're going to, you know, discover new things you never, you know, uh, found before or never would find in, in a city or a place. Um, or you're going to have a miserable experience. You're the, you know, people around you are going to stink. There's going to be people in your room snoring all night. The place is going to be disgusting. It's going to be in a bad part of town, you know, whatever it is. But at the end of the day, when you come home, you generally, the stories you tell are of your worst experiences. Um, and so, you know, I looked at it as like, it's a, it's a win-win. Like I'm going to, I'm going to go ahead. You're either going to have a great time or I'm going to have some good stories out of it of a miserable experience, (laughs) but at least I took the shot at it. Yeah, Um, I think that's, it's such a good attitude and mindset to have. Um, yeah, like I attempt to cultivate that and I would still, I would be absolutely apoplectic if I just booked a round trip and planned to stay, stay in a hostel in a different country. Yeah. <laughs> like I yeah. don't, I don't have the personality for it. So yeah. I'm it, impressed it, and jealous. Um, no, it's, yeah, it's just, and like I said, it's just all about the experience. Yeah, for sure. I think one of the, all right, uh, uh we'll wrap it up soon. One question that I, I have wondered and just never asked was, on Metcon, I'm wealthy, or on I'mWealthy.com, I ran through. I, you know, I punched up all the copy, did all the copy. We never mentioned that you were on these shows. Is Correct. that a? They're cl- I assume that was a conscious decision, so I never questioned it. Why is that? Um, I, I think you know, it's. I never wanted that to you know overwhelm um, or you know eclipse the brands. Um, I didn't want. It, it was kind of you know. I didn't want that be, to be a reason people bought, right? Like, oh, he, you know, he was on the show, and so I'm going to buy because of him. A- again, you know, I could have probably, you know, exposed that a lot more, and but it, it wasn't something I was interested in doing. The shows are the shows. It was a great experience for me, but my brands are, you know, that's my life now, and that's what I'm focused on. And I and I wanted the products to be about, you know, the performance. And about what they do for you know enhancing health, um, I didn't want it to be a focus on you know the, the the fact that I was on TV. I I love that, and I that was 
what I assumed is that, hey, you know what? At the end of the day, that even though it's cool, it, it's not germane to the brand, the vertical, what the customer is getting out of this. So let's leave it out just yep. entirely. And that that was my thinking. That, that I always thought that's kind of what what your thinking was. Yeah. So I just rolled with it. I said, you know what? It makes sense. Yeah. Yeah. And I think, you know, when I first started, too, there was, you know, some some companies I was working with. And this is a credit to you that that all they wanted to do was was leverage that to sell my products. And I just I, it, I just didn't like it. You know, it was one of those things where it was, you know, it, it was low hanging fruit for them. They saw it as like, well, there's a little pseudo celebrity. You have a following. Um, you know, let's leverage that. And and I just wasn't interested in at all. So I appreciate you know for you not even uh, not even pushing it or bringing it up. <laughs> yeah, I, uh, yeah. Because of that, I didn't even want to ask you about it. And this yeah. is the most we've ever talked about it, right? Yeah, here. for sure, for um, sure. Okay, final question for yep. realsies this time. Uh, if you had to go back and do it over again, going from mm-hmm. like you've got your brick and mortar stores, you're going to start your online stores. What's one thing you would have done differently when you went to launch those online stores? Um, I probably would have gone a little bit heavier, um, earlier. Uh, and when I say that, I mean, go a little bit more all in online, um, just because the opportunity, you know, uh, um, when I first started opening up the stores was kind of the, the really growth part of, you know, especially supplements, um, and individual lines, um, creating brand presence. Um, yeah, I probably would have, you know, looking back, you know, uh, not been as cautious and, and patient and probably, uh, leverage a little bit more into uh, uh, into the online world. That's that. Yeah, it sounds like you would. You're saying, "Hey, I wish I doubled down on it." Yeah, 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 that's, for sure. That's fantastic to hear, Dan. You're a busy guy. You have a lot of shows, a lot of traveling, a lot going on. I don't want to take up any more of your time. Where could people go to learn more about you? Um, so, social media is you know for for me personally um, is the best way. If people want to go to Instagram, it's Daniel uh, G Cox. Um, and then, uh, uh, Twitter is Dan G Cox. Um, and then obviously if you're interested in, um, any of the products, Metcon is more my performance kind of cross endurance, uh, running biking line. Um, and that's just metcon.com, M E T C O N.com. And then my health essentials line, uh, uh, is wealthy and the URL is I'm wealthy. So I M W E L L T H Y.com. Um, and that's a place to find the brands. We'll include all of that in the show notes. Dan, awesome. thank you. This has been fantastic. Thank you for, uh, for all the support. and appreciate you having me on. Before we go, I wanted to tell you about the one Shopify theme I've used more than any other. It's called Turbo by Out of the Sandbox. And as its name implies, it's built for speed. But that's not why I love it. I love it because it's the most configurable feature pack theme for Shopify today. Features like predictive search, easy mega menus, infinite scrolling collections, and a ton of page templates for all of your content. And I've got a special offer for you. You can get it today at a 20% discount when you use the code PODCAST20. You can even try it for up to two weeks, and if you don't love it, Out of the Sandbox will refund it for you. So to check it out now, go to ethercycle.com turbo and use code PODCAST20 at checkout. It's ethercycle.com turbo. Our program was produced today by Paul Rita. The unofficial Shopify podcast is distributed by EtherCycle LLC. We'll be back next week with more value bombs for Shopify store owners. 
If you're looking for more high-quality and actionable advice on learning the business of e-commerce, join thousands of other Shopify store owners on our totally free newsletter at eCommerce Bootcamp. That's eCommerce-Bootcamp.com.